Sonic State Roscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number 220. Woo! 220 being a milestone of some kind. Not exactly sure what that milestone represents, but um, all the twos and a zero, perhaps. So uh, welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining us. Uh, we've got a great, um, a good and great panel with us. Uh, also, I uh, would like to say, of course, if, you, if this is your first time and you'd like to watch us live, um, you can come to sonicstate.com forward slash live, 4 p.m. UK time. Uh, and there will be a chat room, a stream, and a uh, live video, and all sorts of shenanigans and funniness, and uh, an unedited, unbleeped version <laughs> with all the bloopers, if that's the sort of thing that gets you off, and perhaps a bit of pre- and post-show, if you also... So anyway, welcome, everybody, to the show. Um, I'll start uh, with... Um, this, well, I'll start with Dave, because he's just over here. Look, there he is. My point, like that. It's not a virtual square. It's him there. Hello, Dave Spears, G4Software.com. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Good. Oh, you're sounding good in that. I got yeah. out of the office. Your mic sounds better than mine. Well, good. My radio voice. Your radio voice, indeed. So, anyway, welcome, Dave Spears. And can we see ba- Dave? Can you, can no, because ca- I've got two cameras, so it's a bit... It's, all, it's too much for me. I can't... Until I get somebody in the studio to manage the gallery, then, uh, no, you can't. Well, you can't. <laughs> At the moment. But, uh, so we'll go now to my, uh, my Skype guests and we'll start over there with, uh, in the top left-hand corner, certainly as, as I see it, we have Gaz Williams, who is, uh, looks like he's in a different place, songsurgeon.co.uk, had a haircut, no green wall. How are you, Gaz? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. I'm in Cardiff at the moment. I'm in a studio called Tidrug, which is Welsh for bad house, which translates to uh, brothel. <laughs> but it's, ah, cool. uh, it's not a brothel. But uh, uh, it's a great studio where there's lots and lots of very quirky equipment. Um, and I, I'm in the middle of some rehearsals for a festival gig this weekend with Rocky Goldstar, my regular long-term band, uh, which is cool. It's a blue, the Blue Lagoon Festival in uh, St. David's in West Wales. Beautiful. Oh, what a beautiful place. Can't wait. Oh, and great. Yeah, and the weather yeah, report hope... is okay. <laughs> okay, well, that sounds yeah. good. Anyway, welcome, Gaz. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll jump over to my uh, the other side uh, up there on the right-hand side. And we've got Mr. Richard Hilton. How are you, Rich? Real good, thanks. Good. I'm very glad to hear that. Um, you've been in Tokyo or somewhere, yeah. Osaka? No, you went. To, you suddenly went to Japan. I know. I I noticed. No, did you? Yeah, we went to Macau first, which was a 25-hour trip door-to-door from my house to the door of the hotel room. And uh, then we played uh, one night in Tokyo, and then we came home. Jesus. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's the sort of... That's private jet? It would, no. And it was three gigs in less than 24 hours separated by 12 hours of travel between wow. the gig in Macau and the two in Tokyo. Nice. That's, uh, tro- that, that's trooper uh, style. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're you're also looking different. You probably it's probably just even over Skype. I can tell you might be looking a bit tired. How was it then? Are you are you recovered? I'm getting there. I feel pretty good today. I only got home what uh, day before yesterday. So ah wow, sounds like fun though. Those sort of things when you get back, you what? sort of think, did I did 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 that happen? I can't remember. <laughs> oh, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so it was good great, gig. I, I loved it. Yeah, it was fantastic. 
Excellent. Well, welcome uh, Hiltonius, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius and various other places over the over internet. I see that uh, you've got a, a, a young friend there, Gaz, in the background. Yeah, that's that's uh, Frank, that is. He's, uh, I was just uh, pointing out something in the chat room to you. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Excellent. No, no, fine. Um, and PJ is in the middle, the sort of static icon. Um, static icon, that sounds kind of impressive, actually, doesn't it, PJ? Emmy-winning Emmy, <laughs> Emmy, oh, Emmy PJ Tracy, composer based in Minneapolis. How are you, PJ? I'm very well, thank you. It's uh, wonderful to be here. Bright, sunny morning this morning, uh, about 75 degrees Fahrenheit outside and blue skies, which is very, very unusual for this part of the world at this time of the year, this year. Right. It's yeah. uh, it's getting hot here. We've had grey, but we get to that part period of the year where when what we do is talk about the weather. Uh, well, it's yeah. always it's always a topic of much interest, at least to me. <laughs> I love it. Every time I go around the corner to my corner shop, the guy who works behind the counter says, "Oh, too bloody cold, too bloody cold." And today I went around this morning and he said, oh, too bloody hot, too bloody hot. <laughs> we, we have a joke uh, here in Minnesota that says, you know that you're from Minnesota when 90% of your conversations begin with a 20-minute dissertation on the weather. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the same in the UK, I'm sure you know. But uh, anyway, um, well, let's move on to our first, uh, first topic, and that involves a bit of web business, which I'm going to have to try and grow. Okay, here we go. Uh, it's not that one. It's this one. And this is the Mac. Have I got that? That's that's going out to the world. You probably won't be able to see this, folks. But uh, this is the news that there's a, a growing um, worry about there being um, well, malware on a Mac, which is kind of not two words you tend to sort of expect. This is the, the news that there's basically, it's the first widely reported malware for Mac OS X. The malware was first manifested when Mac users noticed uh, ads for a product called Mac Defender that promised to def protect them against malware and viruses. However, uh, it turned out Mac Defender was actually a piece of malware that comes becomes active on the desktop after a user is suckered into entering a password and floods the screen with pop-up pornography sites. <gasps> Since then, a number of variants, Mac Guard, Mac Security, Mac Protector have arrived, according to security firm Intego. The goal of this is a fake antivirus software is to trick users into providing their credit card numbers, supposedly to clean out infected files on their Mac. Uh, obviously, this is kind of, uh, well, it's, it's a bit distressing because we've, uh, our Mac users amongst us have rather smugly not ever had to worry about this now. And now it looks like the age of innocence is over and we're now into, uh, into proper, you know, full-on business. Anyone had any, have you ever had any viral problem, Dave? <laughs> Down there I've on your laptop? The, I've been to the old Flory unit a few times. No, um, <laughs> I, uh, no, it's the truth. It's funny because uh, they do say it's actually a, a sign that, you know, it's becoming a much more widely accepted platform, so that's good. I mean, I suppose Linux is the next one to go down. Um, but at this stage, we're, you know... I mean, I guess, PJ, you're using a PC quite a lot, aren't you? So, I mean, are you having to... Um, to do, I mean, I suppose, do you go on the internet with your studio machine? Uh, I do, uh, but I am very, very security conscious. And uh, I have had a virus, not on this particular machine, but on another, um, when another user fell for one, uh, somebody who is using my machine very briefly uh, fell for one of these types of scams with a, where a security pop-up comes up and they clicked okay on it and it downloaded something into my machine and it was a two-day battle to remove it from uh from the machine 
I was Jeez. able to do it without having to rebuild the system, though, which was a, a Yikes. good thing. Um, what I find interesting is that, or what what I what I wonder is how long it'll take for these uh, people that seem to have a considerable amount of time and uh, been there also considerable expertise to this nefarious activity of sending malware to our machines, when will they start aiming these, um, these viruses at mobile devices? And when that happens, where will we be? <laughs> Screwed is the answer yeah. because we, uh, you know, it's something that we've, we've sort of taken for granted as being, uh, you know, just un, uh, unattainable. Very, very, very I mean, I mean uh, Dave, you do, you know, you, tech support is part of what you have to do on a daily basis. Do you find that you're um, dealing with people who've actually got virus problems rather than problems with your software? Obviously, the right answer is yes. It's never your, it's never your software, clearly, but... No, it's the right answer. Ah. No, uh, no, no. I do get, we do get barrage of... Uh, dodgy stuff there was one the other day that came in and it was like you know if you're a company ordering quite a lot of stuff at random points and this was like click on here to review your order and that downloaded an executable file immediately and it was like oh a bit like we weren't on a pc there and didn't click on the executable file but <laughs> as i understand it there's a couple of variants of this that don't require you to put in your password yeah and that sounds that that is troublesome isn't it but that's quite mad yeah, I'm not sure. Let's see if I can find that. I'm just looking for the... That's what I'm looking for. Let's see. It says, uh, new variant requires no passwords. Hold on, I can make that bigger. There you go. So the, so the world can read it. Uh, it comes in two parts. A download a tool after, in, uh, it downloads, after installation, it downloads a payload from a web server. Uh, it's called AV Setup Package. Uh, and you see a standard installer screen. Ah, uh, that's the trick, isn't it? The Safari open um, packages thing. Ah, okay. Do Got not it. have that clicked. No, not not so fun. I know, Rich, I'm guessing you're pretty cautious when it comes to uh, your work machines being online and kind of, or, or is now you're going to have to think caref- more carefully? I think you might be muted. Sorry, the virus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, it's the mute virus. <laughs> I'm I'm careful about what I do, but my computer is connected to the internet constantly, and I operate it from remote locations whenever I want. So, um, I I use some security, but it's pretty much standard fare encryption stuff that people use and come with it comes with your router. It's one of a number of schemes that requires a long password to actually change the settings of your router, but. But uh, I don't imagine I have a tremendous degree of security at my place. I just try to exercise safe habits <laughs> in this <laughs> as well as other areas of my life. And I don't often deal... I, these days, I use fewer and fewer third-party utilities to manage my computers, particularly my Macintoshes. Um, that said, I do use a couple, but they're of vendors that I've been using for 20 years and trust very much. Mm. And there's only really one anymore, maybe two that I use. And those are disc warrior and tech tool. And I really don't even use tech tool. I just keep it around and I'll use disc warrior in a pinch and it saved me numerous times. And it's from Alsoft and they've been around since the beginning, you know, since we were scrawling zeros and ones on cave walls. So I'm not that, 
I'm not likely to download Mac Defender and hope that it's going to save my world. I'm not that guy. It's not how I roll, basically. I suppose the the thing is I find myself doing this quite a lot. In fact, I got... um, just the other day, uh, I was uh, I was trying to pay for, in fact, pay for the um, shipping duties on the case that was just arrived using the Sonic credit card, and it wouldn't take it. And I phoned the the people, and they basically read me a load of transactions that were definitely not mine. They're sort of liquor stores dotted around the uh, eastern coast of. Uh, the US. I said, well, I haven't been to the States since January. So someone's been, you know, so I've had to cancel my card. And I don't know, the only place that would have been used would have probably be online. So, you know, that got yeah, nabbed. So yeah, I was actually, yeah. you know, now and I, I'm guessing I'm probably out of pocket a couple of hundred bucks because a couple of little ones got through. That's Did you get that bottle of Balvany I sent you? The what? Oh, I did, Rich. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, um, as Dave points out in the chat room, don't let your kids on this computer. And that is actually very valuable uh, advice because uh, a friend of mine, uh, well, uh, my, my partner's uh, boss, that happened, and they had to throw, their, throw one of the computers away because it was just impossible to fix. They just had to essentially just trash it. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trust anybody more than I trust my kids on my computer. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, maybe little kids, then, but your kids are more grown up, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. But they're also kind of savvy. And uh, I would, um, so there's the, you know, yeah. there's the scales of justice for you on the kid, on the kid issue. Well, I think that's fair enough. I mean, maybe other people's kids, then. I've had, I've had quite a well known artist send me his uh, laptop to sort out after his kids have been on it and downloaded every single game going and just clogged it to the nines and it's like can you get rid of all of that stuff and allow me to make music please (laughs) and the answer was no no i can't dear (laughs) well um gaz how about you i mean it's a bit concerning isn't it i mean but you um, pj's right about mobile devices as well i mean if my phone got a i mean because there was some talk about some of the uh, android stuff being open and i'm sure there are other things that have come in well yeah i mean i think the reason that mac didn't have viruses for years was more to do with the fact that there wasn't a big enough user group that was what they said rather than it being necessarily a more secure system although i I think it is but it does make me wonder whether if there's stuff going out if if it is uh people trying to figure out a way to get into the iPhone because uh, iOS is isn't it a variation of OS X so isn't it the underlying I think it's Linux based isn't it so you know Unix based rather a Unix another flavor yeah. Mm. yeah so mm. yeah but um yeah but I mean I've been on Mac for about five years now and uh, prior to that I was getting a lot of trouble with viruses actually on on PCs and uh and it has been a glorious five years, so I hope that this doesn't spell the end, you know. Well, the, um, the, big problem, the big problem is, in a lot of cases, is, you know, as soon as you stick that stuff on your machine, it takes so much of your system resources, and it sort of bullies all these other things out of the way that actually need to be done as well, that you, can, you end up with a machine that just needs to be kind of five times more powerful than it needs to be, just so that it can run the antivirus stuff and the purpose, you know, for which you want to use it as well. And that's the nightmare. That's what I don't want to have happen. Obviously, that's the worst scenario, the, the worst of all worlds, because that's what happens on PCs. As soon as you put that stuff on... Uh, apparently, uh, Nod32, who I think they're C-Tech or c I can't remember who makes them, but apparently they've got now got uh, uh, antivirus out for Mac, you know, a, a security suite for it as well to, to kind of cover some of this stuff. But it just worries me that, you know, having to install this stuff is going to slow us right down. 
Mm. Well, Nick, one one uh, possibility obviously is just to uh, disconnect your network connection while working uh, on anything music, and then disable the security software. I I can do that really very easily. Uh, you know, right from my taskbar, it's two clicks. I'm off the network, and I can I can discontinue any uh, security that I have running, and uh, I tend to do that when I'm working. Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I don't know if I can't really do that here because all the machines are networked and a lot of the resources are on other drives that are connected to other machines and then it's all a bit of a mess. But that's more from a sort of just general sonic state operation rather than music. I can do it without Right. Music. I'm sure that that would have to be figured out. But I mean, in terms of the computer using resources to run security, uh, I'm, it would just be, it's just another... Another piece of the puzzle to figure out how does that fit in and how do, how do you keep that from from draining your resources and I'm sh- I'm sure there's a way you probably could figure it out. Yeah, no, top tip there. Thanks very much for that, Pete. Yeah. Um, now let me see. I've got uh, I've got some movies to play and I'm hoping this is going to work because I'm completely. Uh... Oh, hold on. I'm just I just suddenly realised I'm out of the office. I'm out of my room for the first time in ages. Ah. Hold on a minute. You just realised this, Dave. Something's happening. Dave's bringing... My goodness. Hold on, I've got... I have to show you this. I'll, I'll play this in a second. We'll have a celebration. That's great. You guys won't be able to see this, unfortunately, because this is actually going to be... Um... Dave seems to be building some kind of cocktail. Yeah, mm. sorry you couldn't be here, guys. I just suddenly realised that I haven't oh, been out. Oh, look at that. I haven't been out. So look, he's got, got a little... got umbrellas and everything. got umbrellas and everything. Broken. Oh, that, well, I will play the next video. I'll play because yeah, that's quite kind of calming, isn't it? We can have a picnic. I'll tell you what. I'm going to pr- try and get see if I can get some cocktail music. Oh, that's great. Lounge. Ah, yeah, muso cocktail music. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> you can see this, can you? What do you want, Cosmo? Mojito. I've got three mojitos and three cosmos. So I just put them all in one. <laughs> I don't know if I have actually got a drive home. So I'll have a, uh, I'll just have the one. What do you want? I could watch and listen to oh, this. Oh, this is like the best day. nightclub I've ever been to. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so you get, you get served cocktails while performing on modular synthesizers and streaming live. It's going to be D pretty much. I'll do one of each and then we can Right and then I think I should probably play (laughs) play the video for which I was uh, right okay let me just get this going so we do that and then we do this This is the best band Yeah. 
of that, isn't it? Lovely. Stop now in the interest of that's uh, Tonto, which was the uh, what's it called? What's it? The total, the original new timbrel orchestra, the original new timbrel orchestra, which is uh, the infamous synthesizer that was uh, (sighs) made famous by uh, Malcolm Cecil and Stevie Wonder, used in all those sort of classic Stevie Wonders. And that was, I'm looking like pretty recent footage of it, and I thought it was all sort of completely screwed and in boxes and what have you, but that's looking like it's kind of back on the block a little bit. And um, was quite a, a, quite a nice to see, although definitely looked a little bit rough under the edges. It's in his garage, <laughs> or it's in a shed in his garden, isn't it? Is that right? Yep. Looks a bit dusty. It looks beautiful, and I want it. Quite a lot of, of stuff in there. What was that? There was quite a lot of Moog, original Moog modules. Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw yeah, some yeah. SEMS. Yep, 2600, some... Buckler Staff. Uh, two 2600s. Yeah, two twenty six hundreds, four sems, I think, in that uh-huh. configuration. Ah, oh, just a lot of moog. And uh, how he says, and Barg Mar- Bob Margalef, Nick, yes, of yeah. course. But um, just I, I spotted that, and literally, it was on Vimeo, and it had because I've got some feeds set up that just look for the keyword synth or synthesizer, and occasionally check them. And that one obviously got through because nobody else seemed to pick up on that, and um, so I was, I was just really pleased to see it. So anybody who's in New York. I can't even remember what it's called. Poetofsoundandimage.com in June. Tonto's being wheeled out for some uh, poetry oh. and gigs and stuff like that. I know, and I put, I sent this to Nick uh, yesterday, and I've put, look, it's almost worth going to New York for. Wink, 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 wink. Like, <laughs> hint, hint, hint. You know, I would love to. Brilliant. It's just the budget, Dave. Ah, but it's with, he's doing stuff with Andy Rourke from the Smiths as well, so. That's a kind of bizarre. Could be brilliant. And, and a fair few other people. But yeah, brilliant. Oh, yeah, a link, please. I'm going to put that link. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, chat. yeah, yeah. Somebody, like, Rich, you're not far from New York. Go, go. Oh, Tell us you all about go, it. Rich? If you guys were there, I'd go. <laughs> How's that? Well, that I, was... No, I might go. If I were... I'm not near, that near New York, but... Um, I, I'm interested and always have been in this instrument. And when it first appeared, it was pretty revolutionary looking. And, and today, it looks like a bunch of modular gear in a fancy wooden cabinet to me. I and know what I, you mean. That sounds horribly irreverent. But at the, time, it, that, at the time, it was, it was incredibly, I mean, because it was not, it was, as a performance instrument, it, was, it had not really been brought together before, had it? Correct. In such a but way. I would even then have been considerably more interested if the stuff they were cranking out with it where <laughs> it's so damn corny some of the time. <laughs> oh, boogie on reggae woman, come well, on. Stevie oh, Wonder. No, that's Stevie yeah, Wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, bro, how it on. appeared on other people's <laughs> records, but so what? I mean, it's great that Stevie Wonder is great with the synthesizer, but... Um, ah, but that bass line was, was a combination, wasn't it? Whether it was his 2600 <laughs> or Joe Zawinul's or yours doesn't really matter to me, and I, I guess I've made that point before. And if I'm it was mine, it would really matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. 
So I may appear very irreverent about this, but uh, it's, yeah, if I were in town, if I were around, I would go. Am I driving two hours to go see this thing? I don't think so. Uh, okay, well, I might I'd fly hours five hours. I'd come two hours to see you. Well, that's ever so kind. Um, uh, the one thing that did strike me about this is because we went up to Mute, um, which I've milked to the hilt because <laughs> we got some great interviews out of it, apart from the uh, the Vince Clark, which I'm still not sure I'm going to play because he does look like uh, a murderer being interviewed uh, in, in a police <laughs> interview room. <laughs> um, through no fault of his own, I might add. I might release it. I'm not sure yet. But... Um, I did see the uh, Schneider's Buero carousel, which is of a very similar nature. I mean, we're talking eight installed modular systems with, with a kind of rotation and 250-odd modules in it. And that can be hired out and used in synthesis things. It's, do you think that deserves a sort of Tonto-like status? Uh, not really. The great thing about Tonto at the time was that it was the bringing together of all of these different semblances of synths and stuff like that. And it was all interconnected and i've got i you know me i keep all these old mags and stuff like that and i've got a keyboard magazine interview with malcolm cecil that goes back to i think it was like 1981 or something like that where he talks about essentially they kind of invented the first polyphonic keyboard and all this kind of stuff and it's really really fascinating and that it's that interconnectivity that really fascinates me about it at that time Everyone knows that Moogs and Bucklers and all the rest of it sound great, but it was the bringing together in a performance-based synth. And on that note, I'll be quiet and have another drink. Uh, and I'll switch to the camera um, much <laughs> later than I should have done. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to figure out where that rumbling was coming from. I thought perhaps the, uh, the Phantom Power had gone on the, uh, on the mic, but it hasn't. It's, it's coming down the Skype line. So, but you know what I did? I'd been, I spent all this time setting up um, this perfect kind of intricate mix and I accidentally recalled a previous patch subsequent to saving it on this digital console, which that's one of the big downsides of having a digital desk is you just go, oops, oh no. And that's what happened to me. All right, Gaz, would you, would you, would you fancy going and seeing that? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Because, uh, I mean... Um... That was really interesting to see that video because uh, I remember somebody playing me the Tonto album when I was about 19 or something. And uh, and I was just really caught up with the kind of the romance of it. But watching that video there, I, I was always under the impression that it was completely, you know, uh, equipment that was only Tonto, that they built it themselves. I didn't realize it was all um, chunks of other bits of kit. Uh, so it was... <laughs> I don't know if I was disappointed, but it was very revealing seeing that video anyway, certainly seeing there was, that it was. There was quite a lot of custom stuff there, there yeah. as well, wasn't oh. there? The way it's interfaced is a key, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but it's always held a real, a real allure for me. But um, I really like the music. Uh, I mean, if you think it's corny, I, I don't know. It's, it just sounds... Uh, I really like it. <laughs> it's on, I used Tonto, a track from Zero Time, on my wedding video. And most of people who have ever watched my wedding video have said, the kids have always said, what's that scary music, Dad? <laughs> and I've said, you're not my son. <laughs> no, you, you, you've got a daughter, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just checking. Just wanted to be sure, obviously. Oh, well, I know I enjoyed that. Um, and, uh, I, I, and time has marched on, and I've got to quickly go and find our ad uh, copy because uh, I've, uh, we want to say thank you to our sponsors, of course, continued sponsorship, sponsors of the show who are, in fact, Yamaha. I'm going to switch to my rather marvellous um, 
Yamaha video there, which is, this is what the punters see, Dave. Is the I've first seen that. Video. Oh, you have seen yeah. that. Well, anyway, I want to say thank you very much to our show sponsors, of course, Yamaha, uh, YamahaSynth.com, YamahaDownload.com. Um, what they want to tell you about is the Firewire-equipped N8 and N12 mixers. These are sort of hybrid digital analog uh, desks, 8 and 10 channel. Each has a characterized N-series mic preamp, sweet spot morphing compressor, advanced integration with Cubase. Uh, in fact, it comes with Cubase AI as well. Uh, high Z input for direct car- to guitar or bass recording, a wide range of musical EQ, uh, high resolution. Rev X Reverb, fully integrated pro-level monitoring suite, auxiliary sounds for artist monitoring and, uh, or external processing, dry wet monitoring control, 24-bit 96K quality. Now, you can get your hands on one if you head over to uh, Yamaha Synth or YamahaDownload.com and find one of the Pulse stores if you're in the UK. These are kind of stores within stores. Fire your music or words or whatever you want through it. Maybe take some music along and take a listen, th- see what the mic amps do for you and the compression and the EQ. Just, just give them a listen. You can do the same in the US, um, although it's not through a Pulse store, I think um, you'll have to, most of the major Yamaha dealers should have these in stock and you can go and check them out and um, enjoy the Yamaha-ness. So uh, head off to YamahaSynth.com We once again we thank you Yamaha very much for their continued sponsorship of the show. Right, uh, let's see what's next. I'm going to flip back in a highly professional manner. Oh, maybe I'll have a bit of modular. <laughs> The, int- the article on indus- music industry truth. And this was kind of interesting. It, it sort of go- comes under this sort of rather uh, dour and, um, you know, naff headline of uh, saying how the music industry is killing music and blaming the fans. But in fact, doesn't actually, as far as I could tell, argue the case. It just really sort of puts out a lot of points about how doing it yourself is much more involved than one might imagine. And I, it was that, really, that struck me about it, rather than the rather attention-grabbing headline, although there are an awful lot of words here. It's a great article on The Quietus by a guy called Wyndham Wallace, who sounds like he should be a science fiction author from the 50s. Yeah, or an anagram of something else beginning with W. Ah, I, I, I'm <laughs> detecting that Dave doesn't necessarily agree. So while I stuff this, uh, this piece of food in my mouth, I will uh, maybe ask Dave what he felt about this whole thing. Bloody depressing. No, I don't know. I, I, we talked about this beforehand, and I just kind of think it just echoes real life, doesn't it? It's just a few people who have got everything, and the rest of us have to work our nuts off to achieve not an awful lot for even less money. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's not going. It's an it's an interesting article. It's not going to change anything, is it? I don't know. Hmm. I'm firmly of the opinion that there are two types of people in this world, and you're either one or you're the other. <laughs> and that largely <laughs> flies or falls on whether you buy your music and you buy your software or you nick it. And this whole thing, I'll tell you what was interesting, was that when you spoke to Tara a while ago, you were asking about, you know, how does she kind of manage and juggle all of these things? And I know loads, and she actually said, didn't she, that she finds the kind of promotional aspects and all of these sides, that side of things quite difficult. And we know... I know from talking to loads of artists that the art is their vibe. That's what they want to spend their time doing. They don't want to get bogged down in, you know, million. It was bad enough in the days of record companies, big record companies putting you on the rounds of a gazillion radio shows every morning. And now it seems to be even more the case with a gazillion websites. And you have to promote your stuff and you have to do the album cover and you have to finance it and you have to do. And I don't know. 
it just all seems a little bit depressing, doesn't it? <laughs> so on that note, I'm going to have a bit more of my Cosmo. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to switch to... And it shouldn't be depressing. No, it shouldn't. I, I did. Uh, there were a few truths in there that I hadn't considered, you know, just, just spelling it out. Like things like, you know, yes, you can do all this stuff yourself, but, you know, it does take time and effort and... Um, you know, if you're going to do it yourself, then you, you need to make sure that you consider all of that when you're going to do it, I guess. Which sort of feels... It doesn't really... That seems to argue for record companies, perhaps, rather than against them. Well, my point with a couple of people has been, so would you rather have a record... Co- now, I have no experience of major labels. We were signed to an indie label years ago, and they were brilliant. And all the guys I know run indie labels are really passionate, and we talked about this earlier, and they do take risks, and they do really try and nurture people and artists and talent so this kind of everybody's thrown in with the major label vibe it's, it kind of irritates me a little bit but in one way would you rather as an artist would you rather have a label who makes their money out of trying to promote music or trying to make money out of music dealing with your stuff or would you rather finance the bloke from rapid share good point good point <laughs> I know, Gaz, I mean, you work with a lot of uh, independent uh, artists. I mean, are they, how are they juggling the whole kind of ins and out, outs of this? Are they managing to keep their heads above water and have time to see their kids? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, uh, this obviously there's two sides to this, isn't it? There's uh, the, the contraction of the industry as we know it, and then there's the growth of, uh, of completely new sort of variants of the industry where... Um, uh, you know, if you take Bandcamp, for instance, I think it's fantastic. It's the best thing that's ever happened for musicians in many ways in that, you know, it just utterly eliminates the music industry. What You know, it's just artist and fan directly. Um, Bandcamp, for those of you who don't know it, is, is like a kind of, um, you can have a free account. Uh, you put your music up on there. People could listen to it all the way through. And if they choose to buy it, they, Bandcamp takes a small, a really small percentage and people can buy it uh in any format they want uh all around including the world hard, including hard copy right uh that's optional there and to uh you know if you wanted to have a hard copy uh the reason why i mentioned in that though is is that like there there is no uh the band camp model there is no music industry is there there's just uh uh sorry record industry not music industry there is just artist and public so obviously there is the the issue is how to promote and and then uh various people I've been working with are, are looking more for uh the 360 deal now which um I think we've talked about this before haven't we where a 360 deal is where um you sign to a management company and that management company basically takes uh, a cut of everything uh, and there is no record. There is no uh, record label. It's they, just, they the manage. One. They manage the whole the whole procedure, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. So reading that article, I mean, I was just kind of thinking, well, the rec- the record industry is pretty much dead now, isn't it? Pretty much, you know, uh, certainly compared to what it used to be. Uh, but. <laughs> I don't miss music, it. But the music industry isn't, I think. I, I guess, yeah, because we're not shifting physical units. I suppose that's, that's true. But, yeah. I don't, but like I said, it just argues it, it argues for a shift in emphasis of, of the companies that, that need to, to, to service, you know, the people that are working and what they want them to do. I mean, and that seems to be 
fairly um, obvious, from, certainly from that article and elsewhere. I mean, the British record industry, for me, has been dead since the early 2000s. Uh, dead in as much as uh, it's... They've just they've just not been encouraging uh, interest in music. It's just been uh, endless variations of Coldplay, certainly in rock bands form. Um, uh, and you know, the interest in exciting artists have not really been sort of promoted by the major labels. Just endless, endless amounts of very, very dreary and average bands, time and time again. You know, so. I'm really glad. I'm glad to see the back of the industry. Really, I think uh, you know. I think. Come mm. on, it's. it's uh... it, well, it needs to. Ch- I guess it needs to change. It. You know, it needs to change to a degree. I mean, I, I don't. I don't necessarily hold with the view that um, it's all bad. I just think that there are. Our, maybe perhaps our notion of what they do has not changed, but actually what they do do has changed, but we're just not aware of it so much. I mean, we just hear about the kind of the RIAA suing and, you know, all of these kind of ridiculous kind of notions, and it, perhaps it misrepresents a lot of what labels are doing. Because I know, for instance, Mute, you know, aren't, aren't behaving that way. You know, they're encouraging a lot of stuff, and they're, they're doing what they do. And as, when, as Dave said before, um, you know, there are good record companies and bad record companies. I think the word record company is perhaps just a bit of a misnomer these days. I just say one thing. Uh, what you know? What about the VHS industry? You know, what about them? No one really kind of uh, is sad about the death of the VHS industry, are they? Well, you because know, it's, it's live more well in my house. <laughs> but it's <laughs> yeah, that's that's a different. Yeah. It's, it's more, yeah, but it's more of a media. format, isn't it? But, but oh, I mean, yeah. I, I think that I, I think I see what you're saying, though, because to, to a degree, in a lot of respects. The record industry, record industry, is a format that is no longer necessarily uh, relevant for most of how most people consume music, and that to that degree, that's the case. I think maybe the label and the record industry are not necessarily the same thing anymore. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. I know, Rich. Did this give you cause for uh, rejoicement, or just kind of any any sort of thoughts on on? on how it reflects on, you know, because you're, yeah. you're making yeah. product to be I released. Was, I mean, you held up a CD the other day and kind of as hard copy. I mean, I did a mix and I was looking for a CD because I wanted to see my name on the credits and it's only on an MP3 and I've got no mention anywhere. That was the only thing that really hacked me off, you know. It's just like I can't yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I worked on a Lady Gaga record. I want to see my name on it. I can't. And, I, I, and as a fan and as a complete music aficionado, I used to love the idea of go. I'd go through credits and oh yeah he's the same guy who worked on that and worked on that now that's gone that's a bit of a different argument perhaps but yeah that's a disturbing aspect of this you know offshoot of this discussion and i think it's a really really serious one that uh you know that needs almost triage addressing within within the industry as it's changing uh the the issue of credit i'm sorry i didn't mean to to sidetrack and what rich had to say no i i think i think it's a very very serious i'm just Echoing what I'm being an echo chamber for what you and Dave are saying, but I agree entirely. I think it's really disturbing that there's not, um, there doesn't seem to be any attention to the to the detail of 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 credit, and that's the only way that uh, that 
a lot of us would uh, will will survive into the future, or our aspect of the industry will survive. You know, and is is that its reputation? You know, in terms of what what have you worked on? How have you worked on it? How do people you know? How do people find you? Know you? Talk about you? Um, that's true. In some ways, yeah. that's great because what you can do is just say, "Yeah, I worked on that and this and that." And well, nobody yeah, no, yeah, yeah, able yeah. to actually disprove it. <laughs> it's interesting though. They, yeah. they they did allude to that, didn't they, in this article on particularly with regards to sync hmm. and the amount of TV. I mean, what were they citing? Was it Skins or something like that over here that was right. just you know just one pop tune after another after another? But you never know who did it. And actually, there have been loads of times where I've heard a piece of music on a TV show and thought, I love that. Who's that? And I'll try and do a search and find it, and and I will buy it. Mm. To mm. make that more readily available would be really excellent. Mm. Anyway, slightly different tangent. <laughs> well. On the subject, I, there's so many subjects here already. Uh, on the subject of credit, <laughs> on the one hand, I agree with you. People should always receive proper credit. Anybody who's ever been around a record I worked on knows that I worked mightily to try to make sure that when I, if I had anything to do with it, that the credits were correct and exacting and and specific as to people's, you know, to the extent that it's reasonable and and proper in that venue. Um, that said. I've learned over the years, the work is its own reward. It has to be. You can't look to others to validate what you've done. And in the cases where I perhaps didn't receive the credit that I thought I was due, I come away feeling like, you know what, that person needed me more than I need them anyway. And, um, you know, if I get another chance, I'll, I'll still give them my best shot at it because the work is its own reward. Yeah, well, that, yeah, okay. I, I, and I think, so move, you know, yeah. Moving Sorry. on from that, back to this guy and his article. Um, I actually thought the guy wrote a really good and comprehensive expose of his own very, very morose view <laughs> of what's become of all this. And to the extent that he described how we got here, I found myself agreeing with most of what he said though I didn't necessarily think he covered all the hit points that I will cover when I deliver my speech about how we got here. Um, he does have a handle on it, and he expresses it in a way that makes it pretty clear to people who aren't involved in this business and haven't watched this decline take place on a yearly basis and formed their opinions along the way about how we got to this point. But the part where I get a little... I, where I diverge from the guy, this guy who wrote the article is that he takes what's left and makes it seem so unbelievably unappealing. And even though it is in the context of what was available 30, 35 years ago in this business, um, quite less appealing than those circumstances, and even though it now takes place within the context of essentially a DJ culture where people who play live music are fighting against a single guy with a big record collection for the same gigs they used to get like just straight away, I mean... There is, some, there is something to be said for the fact that it has gone away from the corporate model back to the grassroots, as Dave and Nick and others here at PJ have pointed out. And, yes. um, and that, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to survive like that again. But it, it's, and it's more like the business we had post-World War II than it is the business we had post-Cuban Missile Crisis on some level in that way. 
Uh, except now we have other ways of delivery medium, and also it takes place in the context of a business that is constructed around a 99% cents per song model rather than an album model, which used to sell a dozen to 15 songs at a time on the strength of one of them being a hit. We no longer have that. So the contexts have completely changed, but ultimately the grassroots nature of this business resembles more the 1950s than it does the 1960s and the 1970s. And so... Yes, yes. Um, Nick, may I weigh in on this? Yes, of course. Okay. I agree entirely with Rich, and I, I think that uh, that we are yet to hit the eye of the needle of the transition point in terms of where this is all heading. Um, I'm currently involved in a project that was birthed 12 years ago, had a 10-year hiatus, and is now back in full swing, and we're, we're fairly nascent in terms of, of what, we're, what we're doing um online and in outreach to fans and that that kind of thing because we're still we're still in production but back in 1998 1999 we had a lot of major label interest in this project and uh <clears throat> we were going to go that route um and then for reasons that I won't get into the the project imploded and now that we're back doing things entirely ourselves, it's, it's really interesting to sort of be involved on the ground, uh, you know, in, in, in exactly what we're talking about here. And as we all are to a certain degree, I'm, I'm sure, uh, what I find is, is that now more than just being, um, you know, an, an artist and, and then a business person, although you have to be both, both of those things, extremely organized and meticulous in terms of, how you construct uh, your outreach to fans and whatnot, you have to think in terms of being a multimedia artist. So your art now is your conversation with your fans, your video presence, um, your merchandising, and merchandising is a, is a multidimensional subject. Um, your music and your presence through time on the internet, and you have to start thinking like that as a group or as an artist and if you don't i don't think you'll survive or you have to have the resources the money which you know i think is what is what this article sort of puts forth to be able to hire somebody else to take care of that for you and trust that they'll do it in the manner that that you want as an artist or at least enough to be able to to fund your your craft and 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 your love, but it's 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 exciting times. I think I I don't think that it's you know we really need to mourn the death of anything. I think it's just a repurposing of an artist's energy. Whereas in the U.S., an artist might have been sent out by a label on the road for months at a time to be interviewed by morning and afternoon and drive time DJs, uh, you know, ad nauseum until until they broke basically at the artist's expense, I might add, now an artist could put that same uh, intention and energy into doing it themselves online directly to the fans. And if they put that much energy into it and their art is good, uh, I think the cream will rise to the top. Nicely put. I think that's very nicely put. Yeah, and I think also, it also creates a new position sort of within the creative partnership for someone who is savvy with all this stuff. I mean, like um, Rich, the guy who uh, does a number of reviews for us on Amped and other things, he's like really up on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. And he, he promotes and manages bands and helps them kind of get a wider audience and does all the social media stuff as, as, as for consultation, you know, and bands 
can see the results and it, it works for them. So it's it's like another role within the band and all the creative partnership that is has been created. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. If you don't have somebody that is in the band who is an artist working on the music itself. Uh, doing that role, I highly recommend to any aspiring artists out there to find a person and involve them in an equal share in what you're doing and just consider them a member of the band and have that person's role be social media and promotion <laughs> of the band because it's, it's an extremely Wild West situation. And, and uh, for the right creative person, I mean, that can be every bit as valid and uh, wonderful and inspiring as the music itself. It's like the modern day bears, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of dancing, you do social media. You could just be, yeah, you could be, no, you'd be the dancer and the social media. Because ah, when you're not perfect. dancing, you do, the so, you do the social media stuff. We're there. Good idea. With your boots on. And that's the music industry solved. Yeah, brilliant. Everyone needs a bears. The old, uh, the old adage of uh, quality will out, um, you know, I think becomes more true now than it has been for years, really. I think, uh, and that's what, that's what really excites me, really. You know, uh, I was ranting about earlier about the British record industry, how I think that they've just been back in safe, the safe horse all the time. Uh, but now through social media, uh, social networking, rather, you know, good quality should really now be able to find a way out. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure I totally agree because it's down to mass appeal then and it's like the, the, the lowest common denominator as well. I mean, I was looking at some videos. There's a guy called Lil Wayne who's like a big rapper and it's, a re- it's like sort of, it's just really kind of, it's almost like heroin out of it, just really sort of quite derogatory. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not particularly, there's nothing else exciting about it apart from his, his ennui and his ability to be so disaffected by everybody and just dissing everybody and it but he's just massive on youtube absolutely massive and that you know i wonder what it is that has made that happen is that that because a lot of people identify with him or because he's got a lot of cussing and you know i, I don't know is that necessarily what's happened I just, there i just like the way though that social networking can sort of you know you don't need a massive multi-million pound budget to advertise you know and that sort of people say, gosh, listen to this, and then the friend says, yeah, this is great, and then share it, and they share it, and they share it, and it's just, uh, it is like a level playing field, you know, and I love that, I love that. But on the other end of that spectrum, Nick, that you're talking about is somebody like Imogen Heap, who is very much responsible for her own online presence and her social media uh, push, and she's done a fantastic job of reaching out to the segment of the long tail that is her super fan. And she's doing very well for herself. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. But that's interesting in that that's one example. And people always cite Imogen Heap, don't they? Yeah, because she's really good at it. Yeah. She's, she's really, really good at it. But how many other yeah, that's a successes? Good point. Who, who else? Well, who else well okay. So there's not, there's not many that you can look at, you know, currently. Pomplamoose, I guess, would be another one that I would, that I would cite. Um, yeah. If you look at, at what's going on with them online, they've, they've almost entirely built their career from YouTube videos. Very, very creative YouTube videos, I might add. And mm. and they've had That's kind of a super. meteoric rise. I mean, they've only been out there for about a year and a half, two years maybe. And uh, I think I read a figure, I don't know how accurate it is, but that last year they made between them about a quarter of a million dollars through promoting themselves on YouTube. Amazing. Yeah. I've never yeah. made a so, penny I mean, out I of think, you. But it, in the power of the artist, that's my 
entire vibe. Do you know what I will miss? Mm. I will miss living in villages where rock stars don't move into the huge houses and cause mayhem in the local pub. That's what I will miss. <laughs> I always thought that was good because I lived in this village where like Deep Purple and David Coverdale and all those guys would descend. And the pub was just a brilliant place at Christmas. And if those guys are no longer making those kind, that kind of money, if the new generation is no longer making that kind of money, that's what I'll miss. Reckless behaviour in swimming pools. <laughs> and shagging the lawyer's wife. Thank goodness for Iron Maiden's jet, eh? Yes! Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, all, uh, abs, Rob GS, I thought all the stars moved to Stella Street. That's very... Uh, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I love that. Which is a British comedy. Uh, it's uh, very amusing about uh, all the stars living in the same street. Um, right then, uh, what, do we sh- what should we do next? Should we do punch or should we do Ian body? Body, okay. Let me just see if I can <laughs> cue that up. <laughs> Chat room guys have opinions. Hello, my name is Ian Body. Welcome to my studios. I'm here to talk about Odyssey which is a new sample CD from Zero G. I've been playing with synthesizers in electronic music since 1979. The VCS3 was one of the first instruments I ever played in a studio in Newcastle upon Tyne called Spectral Arts Workshop. I've always been interested in sounds and I've been doing sound design for Zero G since the early 1990s when Ambient Volume 1 first came out. At that time there was hardly any sample CDs on the market, so I've seen things change an awful lot over the last few years. Odyssey represents a compilation of the last eight sample libraries that I've done, and as such it's over eight gigabytes in size with over three and a half thousand different sounds. One of the products included on Odyssey is Outer Limits. This includes a lot of soundscape stuff, perfect for use in dance music or ambient music or soundtrack work. ASL, or Analog Sequencer Loops to give its full name, uses a lot of the modular gear behind me. All the loops on here were created actually on the modular synthesizer. So the drum loops, the sequencer loops, every single one was recorded in the analog domain. In the last few years, I've been releasing my own products under the Waveforms banner. In the last four of those, Radiophonica, Airwaves, Beatlog and Drummerlog are all included on Odyssey. And for the first time, they've been included on a physical product because they were only available as downloaded products before. Well, there we have it. Thank you very much. That's Ian Body, who I've I've heard his name. I've never actually um, I wasn't aware of him <laughs> I was, or anything. I was doing a demo once at one of the shows, and he walked past, and I think I shouted something. I can't remember what it was now. Anyway, <clears> let's <throat> not go there. He's good. He's got a great reputation. I was actually at an arts do the other week with my missus and talking to her ex saxophone teacher, and we were talking about old synths because he's quite an old synth buff. And he said, "Have you ever heard of somebody called Ian Body?" And I went, "Yeah." He's like the Cheryl Cole of sample CDs, isn't he? Oh, <laughs> God, that was terrible. That's a nice line. Nice line there. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, Gaz, you, you expressed an interest in this. You, does that mean that you have a, uh, have a connection there somewhere? Well, only in as much as I seem to remember his name from the mid-'80s, from this Acorn Music 500 system, which I used to use. And I think he used to make on there now because I, I remember his name from way back and i was wondering if anybody in the chat room or here could uh, actually um verify that or not um because that, uh, that was like a little eight voice fm synthesizer that, that plugged into a bbc micro and was uh like a and he had like a sort of sequencing 
I don't know if there's anyone who can back that up. I don't know. Uh, um, Harry says, Gaz, yes, way yeah. back. Um, oh. No, I'm not sure about that. Um, uh, Rich, I'm guessing that you're, you're... I mean, I must admit, I was, it wasn't really so much about the product, this video. It was more to do with the sort of... the about Ian Body, who I didn't really know much about, to be honest, and still um, somewhat in the dark, but perhaps... He's done albums and stuff, hasn't he? Has he? I do remember seeing him in, yeah, in... Um... He's part of that whole Sound on Sound Brigade. That's right. I th- did he have something to do with sort of music for War of the Worlds and Tim Suster and all of that sort of stuff? War of the Worlds? What, really? I don't know. I'm no. That's why I'm asking. No, no. no Hitchhiker's no. Guide to the Galaxy? Jeff Wayne. Uh, no. Right then. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know that's that's that, that there are no credentials. That I, that I've got no connections. Rich, you look like you have something to add. No, well, I just, no, I hadn't heard of him either. The sounds that percolate beneath his narrative are lovely and the product as a sample cd of synth patches reminds me of something i purchased in 1994 see nick's trying to compete on a modular level but there wasn't there isn't any competition is there nick really you've got three and a half modules and he's got a lot more than that that's true (laughs) His modular was much bigger than mine. As you, you and cruelly, he talks you, in terms of gigabytes. You cruelly people, you people yes. cruelly pointed out in the chat room. I feel massively inadequate now. <laughs> Conquering the world one module at a time, Nick, just like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. yeah your your way. rack, your rack gives you an excuse for gear lost. <laughs> We'll see I, that thing I, I would like to. Say, I would actually like to say I'm going to show this again because I, I think I mentioned it before I started recording the show. But this is a mono rocket um, case in uh, Harvestman Orange because I just I quite like the look of it. And um, the the guys at Mono Rocket uh, got in touch because I said I wanted to do some modular stuff and was I was going to get a dope for case. I was going to you know pay for it all because. Um, I figured if we got something, then we could get some modules and stick them in and review them, what have you. Um, but he very kindly um, donated it to the cause. So now the, the, the modular reviews will come to you courtesy of Monorocket, really, because uh, they provide us with a case that allows us to stick the stuff in there. So I am very just want to say a big thank you to them, because they make a variety of cases. I feel it's only fair to say. I Full think, disclosure. I think Robug's comment in the chat room is really good. None, none of you have got anything on Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer still has the biggest... <laughs> I, I, is that, are you sure about that? Maybe the biggest in one room, but I have seen a synth collection that I believe would rival his. Really? In L.A., yes. Ooh, tell me where. It's at a place called <laughs> Ecstasy Studios in the Valley. And what this a great guy, name. This guy, E-X-T-A-S-Y Studios, and he's a collector. I believe he's Japanese. And I was shown to a room that contained damn near everything and i do mean damn near everything (laughs) that you can think of (laughs) rarely do i come across anything this guy didn't have just start naming stuff i'll tell you he's got it i know hans has got the biggest cms modular in the world maybe what we should do is start in new york we could do like a trip across america via modular synth studios couldn't we we could start in new york with old tonto's thing and then we'll end up in la (laughs) yeah yeah Yamaha? Yeah, we're looking for a sponsor. <laughs> just to fund yes. me and Dave, a 7,000-mile seven road trip. Um, oh, I'll tell you at, what, I'd stop at our full day that. rate. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Yeah, in a big, in a big comfy bus, Yamaha. Uh, no, I, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be happy just to do it in a, in a hire car. Or a Harley. Motor, Harley. I'm not, I'm not sure I could... Wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do 7,000 uh, miles uh, on a Harley. 
Yeah. yeah you're Imagine not the, young anymore. the bugs in your teeth. <laughs> I'll Nick, be uh, Bagsy, I'll be Dennis Hopper. <laughs> some something to say about Ian Body. Um I own his Drumalog library, which ah. if you go to his website, um you can download for I think a mere thirty five American dollars. Um it's a great it's a great sample CD or a great collection of samples. About a th- I think he mentions it in that video, a thousand, I think he says, or more than a thousand one shot percussion samples created entirely from his modular mm. synthesizers. And they're very, very wonderful and unique sounding. And I've found uh, a lot of use for them uh, in recent work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I can vouch for um, analog synth percussion. I can't remember where I, so I've got it on ESX and I can't remember where it came from now. But I've got a couple of, uh, I think it's like a big collection. It's the XL drum collection, which has got all the analog drum machines and a load of modular stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's got some really good analog percussion. It's got a load of analog bass drum snares and itchy, bitsy, scratchy percussion. I've used that all over a bunch of records. It's just, but now I can make my own. <laughs> With three and a half modules. In the uh, the Moog expansion for Omnisphere, there's the Hans Zimmer drums uh, on there, which is uh, a big sample of uh, analog drums from Hans Zimmer's modular. And that's great, actually. I've been really enjoying that. That's massive, isn't it? Mm. I, I still, I'm, I'm still looking to find... I found, uh, did I tell you I found a place that you can actually remove the CD drive from your MacBook and install another drive bay? So you can have two hard drives because, I mean, I don't use my CD drive at all and they tend to crap out after a couple of years anyway. So I'm thinking about getting a second drive in the bay there. I think it's like a couple hundred bucks. I found the link uh, and then uh, filling it up with, um, you know, with just Omnisphere and all my other samples. So I've got the whole lot in one one box uh, without having to have an external drive. I'll see if I can find the link for that because that was actually quite a useful little... I'd be concerned about heat. Yeah? Yeah. With two drives mm. spinning in a in a laptop like that, maybe an SSD then would be better. I'd just mm. be thinking about that because those little two and a half inch drives get hot. If I've got mm. one in an external ex- enclosure, I've got a bunch of them actually actually in external enclosures, and when you touch those enclosures, they're always really hot. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that, but uh, I'll see if I can dig out the links because there's quite a lot of testimonials there. And Nick, if you're, cool thinking about a solid, if, if you're thinking about a solid-state drive, a tip from a friend of mine who's an editor at PC World, um, they are scheduled for a precipitous price drop third quarter this Ooh. year. That's, ah. that's a hot That is a hot I, I, tip. I was, yeah, because I was having a conversation earlier today just saying that SSD drives just not dropped, have they, to where we would have yeah, thought they would have been... Yeah, don't buy them. Don't buy them yet. Uh, third quarter to, you know, to the end of the year, I guess, is new technology being wheeled out and basically SSDs kind of slated in the next production cycle to sort of start to take over. Oh, well, that'll be good. I'd like, I fancy a bit of that. <laughs> Cause I, I, they're supposed to be so much faster. I'll see if I can dig up the link here somewhere. Uh, is that, um, it's going to be, uh, hot SSD action.com. Uh, it, um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> how, uh, how hot do SSDs run? In terms of temperature, I'm not sure. Actually, it's a good question. Don't know. Uh, Pro, uh, what to pay drive kit? Uh, there we go. Add a second internal to uh, starting at 99 bucks. Optibay, uh, Muk Tech, MCE Tech, Optibay. Uh, let's have a look. I wonder if there is an issue with heat. I cannot see. 
bootable, can be used, easy setup, lifetime warranty on the enclosure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but that, I mean, you know, might be worth looking at, I suppose. But you've, put, you've made me worry now, Rich. Mind you, one side of my, my, my this MacBook gets so bloody hot anyway. As soon as you switch well, there on you the. Go. <laughs> yeah, so it let's matter. make it hotter. <laughs> Mo- both both legs, both legs could just be melting. Uh, Nick, let me see. Nick, you can get these lovely little external C drives. They weigh nothing. They don't take up a lot of space. They get hot all on their own. Yeah, I suppose. I just like the idea of not having to dangle anything off another wire. But you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I was just trying to be too neat for my own good. They're just too does your heat. Mac does your MacBook have a uh, Thunderbolt output on it? <laughs> Sorry, I, I chuckle only because uh, no, my MacBook is far too old for that. If Scuzzy? I did, Scuzzy, <laughs> Scuzzy, yeah, it's got, it's got serial, when I say far too old, it's, it's over, over two years old. So no, it hasn't got any of that. Terminator, the Scuzzy are those Terminator. ones and zeros on the cave walls behind you that I see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say anything about heat. I wonder there was a. Here somewhere. Do you have a DVD RAM drive in that machine? Uh, no, not this time. But he's got a VHS drive in it. Yeah, that's right. VHS. Okay. <laughs> got a big slot on the side of it. <laughs> oh no, it's not. It's Betamax. Beta. Uh, oh no, this is a dead end, isn't it? I'm going to look into that some more though. Um, and then discover that it was a really bad idea in between playing with my, my modular. In fact, we're going to get the expert sleepers, uh, ES2 they're sending us, so we can do all of that uh, CV to business. Oh, yeah, cool. To business. Sorry, that's what you meant, that logic. Oh, very good. Too. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be the first product I think we review, although there was some concern that it might be not that deep, or it might be a bit deep. Let me see I can bring this over here. You can have a look. It has got... Oh, maybe not. I have to untangle everything. I haven't quite got to this. So. Oh! Sorry. Cocktail <laughs> casualty. Cocktail casualty there. <laughs> uh, In a gas styley. Not yeah. the modular. <laughs> I have just spilt the remains of my cocktail all over the floor, which is <laughs> at least better than spilling it all over the modular. I did manage to catch the HDMI splitter. Oh. Which I shall just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. It didn't work anyway. <laughs> it now works better. I, th- I, th- I thought I'd get this because I thought it'd be quite useful for splitting an HDMI signal, but in fact, it doesn't. So don't get one of those. What? Well, it does, but then one or other of the sources just kind of goes, no, I haven't got a signal. Yes, I have. No, I haven't. Yes, I haven't. And it's just mm. useless. Anyway, I'm, I'm kind of digressing, which probably means it must be about time to Dude, perhaps well over. consider... <laughs> consider Winding down the show, backing out of this cul-de-sac, as I heard uh, a rather excellent uh, turn of phrase the other day. Um, entirely of my own creating, I might add. None, none of your doing. So um, let's say thank you to everybody at, uh, who, who's joined us. Uh, we'll say thank you first to Gaz Williams, who's up there. has gone a bit blurry. I think your bandwidth might have dropped a little bit. Thank you very much for joining us this week, Gaz. It's been uh, great to have you. Thank you. Songsurgeon.co.uk, and I hope your gig goes well. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to If it. anyone's in St. David's at the weekend, what time are you playing? Oh, gosh. Um, I think it's, it's evening, nine o'clock or something. Uh, On Saturday? I don't know. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, I think it, it may be sold out now, actually. But, um... Oh, well, never mind. 
I'm sure we'll see some of it on YouTube. But anyway, thank you very much, Gaz. Very um, enjoyed having you with us once again. And we'll go over to PJ, who's up there in the middle. Um, what's that? The static icon. I quite like that 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 phrase. Classic <laughs> static icon. PJ, thank you very much for joining us. That's uh, pjtracymusic.com. Thank you so much for having me. And I'd just like to mention, if anybody happens to be in the Minneapolis area on June 18th at 2 o'clock p.m., my band Tortuga is playing the Stone Arch Bridge Festival. If we get sponsorship by them, maybe yeah, me and Dave could it. swing through there <laughs> yeah, yeah, on, oh, on our modular tour. I love that. I, we, I can take so you to good. see some great synthesizers in, in this town. So that, that, would, would, be be fantastic. that would be wonderful. <laughs> thank you very much, PJ. Anyway, thank Depends you on the temperature, PJ. And uh, <laughs> over there to my, uh, in the top right corner, we've got Rich Hilton, who looks like you, you're looking a lot less tired now. Hopefully we've rejuvenated you with this. With all our tech talk, you're looking well refreshed. Yes. I'm I'm fully juvenated now. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us, Rich. Uh, Hiltonius on MySpace and uh, Facebook and all those places. And uh, are you back in the studio today, or you got a couple of days to re- recover? Oh no, I got to go to the studio today. I've got something. I got a project that I got to complete in the next uh, before I go to Europe on the 11th. So uh, people want to know: Are you going to play Glastonbury? It's about time Sheik played Glastonbury. You booked. I uh, don't know. Don't know when we're getting back to the UK. I'd heard, I'd heard maybe the latter part of this year. We'll see how it goes. I don't well, look- have any firm dates that I know of. And uh, but the, in ten days, I leave for Brussels, uh, Amsterdam, Stockholm, and Paris. So any of you uh, listeners who'd like to write to me and meet up, let me know. Cool. She contour. Amsterdam. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. And now flip to Dave, who's over there. Who's, I haven't got the colour balance very well. You're, I've I'm caught looking you there. a bit you're, pasty. No, you're looking a bit pasty and you've, you're clutching two empty. No. Well, one's full. full. I was just going to like, I would like to say <laughs> thank you to my sponsors. Marks, Marks and Spencer's, and Spencer's pre-mixed cocktails. Cosmos which, and Mojitos. Yeah, they're quite strong. Two and a half they? measures of white rum and two and a half measures of vodka. Brilliant. That's why I'm feeling a little... That's why I spilt mine. Yep. I was just incapacitated. Anyway, um, Dave uh, Spears, G4 Software, thank you very much for joining us as well. Thank you very much. Chocolate mini bite. Uh, I might have one after the show. It makes my mouth a bit dry. (laughs) So uh, that was (laughs) Sonic Talk number 220, um, which seems to be a milestone that warranted at least a partial imbibing of cocktails. So thank you very much, Dave, for bringing them in. Um, I think, <laughs> and uh, and also thank you to the uh, the pet sounds of, of the of the new modular. Anyway, thank you very much. Um, and for those of you who perhaps saw a bit of, uh, I've got the Yamaha Mocked here in the corner. Uh, Mox six. I've done an unboxing. Going to be reviewing that shortly. If you've got any questions, just uh, drop them in the uh, comments below the videos or send us an email or that kind of thing. So thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. That was Sonic Talk number two hundred and twenty. <laughs>